Michelle. And this is Allie. And this is Get High. It's double digits in the city of Chicago, so it feels like summer again. Congratulations on surviving. Thank you. What a nightmare. an accomplishment. It's an accomplishment every year. It is, really, just surviving this winter. But honestly, uh, like a week ago, I was in Canada, and it was negative double digits. That's right. How on earth did you survive Canada? Uh, It was like a fresh hell, but... You know, a really nice place to visit. Uh, Montreal, like a really is fresh hell with like nice greenery and like powdery <laughs> snow. <laughs> yeah, uh, we hung out in the underground mall that they have to hide from the worst of the weather. You were in Montreal. And, yeah. Oh. I didn't know they had an underground mall, but That's someone was cool. like, oh, yeah, just go there. And you've, you've got like eight square blocks of city that you can traipse around. I'm like, oh, shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we managed to skip around a lot of the cold by going underground. I've never been to Canada. It's fun. It's nice. Uh, let's go in the summer. Okay. Cool. I mean, I feel like we should go most places in the summer. I agree. So trip planned. Mm. We've got that yep. in the books of Add things we're to going to schedule. do. Yep. Yep, writing that down right now. Canada summertime. <laughs> Allie, boy, I'm really excited. We've got an awesome person here yes. today with us. Yes, yes, we do. And honestly, like, this is very exciting because I feel like, I, I don't know about you, I've been excited about this person being a guest for us for a while. I've definitely been excited, too. I'm so thrilled that this is happening, and I'm fascinated <laughs> to see what happens next. <laughs> Do you think we could wait any longer to actually introduce this person, or should we just... How's Oliver? Oh, he's good. He's squeaking some squeak toys, so you might hear that in the background. Uh, How's Felicia? She's good. We put her in another shirt today, and she hated it. The shirt, it was a red and blue striped shirt, and it said Little Rookie on it. (laughs) I think that might be the worst shirt for a cat. I, yeah, it was very good. She's, we're hoping that slowly over time we can acclimatize her to the shirts, but so far it's not working. Oh, well. Anyways, I think we've done enough. Let's let's do this. We have the wonderful guest, I. Hello. Welcome to Get Hype. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Hi, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a graduate student in Minnesota. I study history, and actually in Minnesota, we don't have we have underground tunnels at the oh. university, so that you don't have to ever leave outside if you don't have See, to. See, that's which is, that's extremely humane. That's good. It's the only way that anything would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. But yeah, I'm so thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you awesome. study history. Yes, I study, my elevator pitch is that I study queer and trans history in the U.S. during the 20th century. Oh, that's so, so rad. Oh, wow. That's what I do with my time. But I, I also say that I'm becoming less and less of a historian by the day, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but you're living in the history. I'm right living now. in the history, and boy, do I wish we lived uh, in a different history yeah. in the oh, future. Yeah. yeah. 
But we'll be the ones writing the books soon, correct? That's true. We'll tell our version of the story. Exactly. And then the world will, well, fingers crossed, get better. It will. I, what did you bring us? Yeah, today? I, I, I'm like really excited about this. I, what are you gonna hype us about today? What are you hype I'm about? Gonna, I'm gonna hype you about trans and queer headcanons. Ooh. Because they're so great. So I am trans and queer. I'm a non-binary identified agender, transgender person. Uh, I use he, here pronouns. So I'm like, I've been out for like almost seven years. So I feel really old. <laughs> and I'm bisexual and all this great. So it's a really great time. And I love those identities. I love being myself. I love the communities that those happen. And I love that being those things lets me look at fictional characters and say, hey, those people are like me. They're like me. I can just tell. It's like having gaydar for fictional characters, but also you don't have to have any rules. There are no rules. If someone's like, uh this character's gay, how do you know? I'm like, how do you know they're straight? Mm-hmm. How do you know? How yeah. do you know? Unless they are explicitly said to be straight, then they're either bi or they're gay. And it's really great. Or pan or whatever other identity mm-hmm. you want to have them to have because uh, the author is dead and fiction is yours now. <laughs> so it's, you know, I... I don't, and I think the other great thing that I love about headcanons, I mean, I want to say that um, headcanons are also kind of a band aid, right, for straight out explicit representation. Yes. And I totally get that. And we're in a time where more and more people are being really vocal about how we need representation, and they're right. Mm-hmm. But because of that, also, I think we're in a really weird moment where when we do get representation, all your eggs are in one basket. So you need, like, if you have a trans character, you need that trans character to be everything for you in a way Mm. that I think straight and cis people don't have to have because there are so many where if you don't identify with one, you're like, who cares? So for me, what headcanoning does is it lets me take the characters that I love and see more of myself in them in ways that would are denied to me normally. So that's like really what's exciting to me about that is I don't have to prove anything because there's nothing to prove. And I get to have fun and see myself in these characters. And so much of the time I found it actually makes their stories better. Oh, like if you take a character, um, I mean, one of the really easy ones for me is in the matrix, right? Which is a movie that was written and directed, conceived by two trans women. Um, they weren't out at the time. I don't know their like relationship to their histories, but you know, now I can retrospectively say, you know, like, The Matrix is pretty trans. And Neo, if you look at Neo's character as a trans character, everything opens up. It's so much more. So, like, if you take her life from before the Matrix, before she's released from the Matrix, as sort of her life before she comes to an understanding within herself about who she is, and then she's unplugged and realizes her identity and all these things sort of flood and she gets these powers. And, um, you know, it's literally about waking up, right? That's what The Matrix, the movie is. Mm-hmm. So that movie, I think, is really easy to say that you're, it, like, is trans because, you know, it's conceived by two trans women. There's nothing to say that there aren't. And also, I think that I'm not attracted to Keanu Reeves, but boy, do I love Keanu Reeves when I'm like, 
Keanu Reeves is playing a trans lesbian woman and I love her <laughs> and I'm in love with her and she's very hot. Um, so that also helps. Yeah. But like there are so many other movies that if you think about things, I think just it enriches the story in a way that at least for me, you know, as a person who doesn't get that representation, I'm allowed to say, mm. oh, like Dimitri from Anastasia is in fact a trans lesbian and she's very hot also. So that also helps. Apparently, I just love to turn. I just It makes all these characters into women that I can have crushes on. But also, it makes the romance between Anastasia and Dimitri, I think, much richer. At least for me as an audience member. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's so powerful to sit. I actually have a podcast called Decoding Keanu, where we watch Keanu Reeves movies with the understanding that those characters are gay and or trans. And to be in the room when we watched The Matrix and have everyone be using she, her pronouns to talk about Neo was like the most beautiful, like I like periodically teared up because it was just so empowering to have that in a room. That's so cool. That's going to, this is really going to change the way I watch movies now because when I watch them, like I've never thought about that during a movie before. That's such a cool idea. Like, Like a good concept. I absolutely would be willing to rewatch the Matrix trilogy with that concept in mind. Mm. I would be very interested to watch that. We uh, we watched the Speed Racer movie recently, and we talked about the Wachowski sisters and that whole their whole journey of coming out and continuing to be prolific filmmakers. And I was fascinated by that, and I, I was mm-hmm. just like, "Wow!" I mean, what an amazing body of work that they both have, but also what an amazing thing that they were able to not just create brilliant art. I mean, the matrix will permanently be in all of our brains, you know, for the rest of (laughs) time uh, as a film series that is so important and that how, how wonderful it is that they were able to, you know, embrace their identity fully, both of them and how, how fascinating it is that both of them had a similar journey and a similar um, series of circumstances. You know what I mean? Like I would be really interested to watch, uh, the Matrix again with that all that in mind now. It's so much better. So I rewatched um, Lily. I think was the one she was outed and she chose to come out on her own. I think actually in the Chicago Windy Times, a mm. uh, gay newspaper in Chicago, and she chose on her own terms because a journalist was threatening her. And shortly after that happened, after she chose to come out in those circumstances, I rewatched The Matrix without thinking about it as like an explicitly trans movie. And I was like, oh my god, this is bad. I like did not enjoy it at all. Yeah. Even though I was so excited because it's also right like red pilling is associated. Like it's this very broy movie. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it belongs to me now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but then oh my you, gosh. you rewatch it with that trans lens in place and I was I was like crying during the movie because some of those lines when you read them that way you're like oh my god this expresses so much of you know what it was like for me to be trans or what it was like for my friends to be trans it's I think again a really great band-aid for the ways in which we lack representation right now and I think it also makes people mad which is really funny it's a really great barometer (laughs) for how close maybe you should get to certain people so it's it's just a good tool to have in your pocket, and it makes me really excited when we can talk about it. You know, it's like sharing all head cannons with your friends mm-hmm. when you can just swap them and be like, "Oh, by the way, this character is bi," and you're like, "Yes, sure, hell yes." Or you could be like, "Oh, really? I see them as gay," and they're like, "Oh, that's totally cool too." Like, there's no rules, and that's the best part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I'm trying to think if there are any characters who I'm convinced are like 
bi or gay or trans in movies. And I'm like, I'm, I know I've thought this before, but I can't get them off the top of my head. Mel. Oh, Mel. Our boys. Our, our boys. Oh, wait, okay, so wait, let me, let me just say, first of all, that the trans lens that you're talking about, I, is not a lens that I have been personally connected to mm-hmm. um, in my life or in my experiences in watching movies and TV and whatever. Now that I am an adult and I have trans people in my life, it is more and more present in my mind, but it's never been something that, like, I've watched stuff with that lens in place and wondered, hmm, I wonder if any of these characters could be read in that way. I haven't really thought about it in that terms, but, like, definitely for, like, gay or bi characters or, like, watching something and going, I could see that happening. Why isn't that happening? That would be great, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mel, I think we're, we, we don't need to beat around the bush here, Mel. No, definitely not. The BBC Sherlock and John Watson are definitely gay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I would say I would say that Sherlock is probably on the gray scale somewhere where like he's not really gonna go for anybody, just anybody or like anything. Like he's pro- he probably considers himself gray or like asexual or something. Maybe yeah. maybe demisexual. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely aromantic. Like he's not into romance. Absolutely, but. Then John comes into his life, and it's like, mm. I'm going to say definitely Demi, because mm. like he starts to show affection the more he gets to know John. Yes, yes. It's it's a whole thing, Mel. Let's not forget that I personally made a fan music video about their <laughs> yes. relationship, and it is on the YouTube, oh, and it yes. has many, many hits. I was just going to so say, how many views these days? Do you want me to check? I'll check. Yeah, check it really quick. It's got many. It's many. Wasn't it like 30,000? Anyway, um, and then there's, of course, our boys on ice skates. Yes. Our good, good ice skating boys. Our sweet, sweet children. Which... Is that canon now? I lose track. It, it's not confirmed, but it's right. like, It's just about confirmed. So, like, that's the closest Japan can come to mm. actually producing gay characters okay, because yeah. it's still, like, a culturally taboo mm-hmm. thing, and they still block it out of their media. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still not great at it yeah. here in the States, honestly. Like, no. there are spaces no, we're not good at, where like, it's getting better, but... We can, at the very least, portray gay characters on television. It's not always good. In fact, most of the time it's not good. Yeah. Uh, but, like, at least they're there now. They're visible. Yeah. You know. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I think you're right that um, while it's not as explicitly banned in America, it, we're still struggling to embrace it yeah. when it's not for laughs or mm-hmm. when it's not for fridging someone for, you know, character development. Right. Uh, for those of you playing along at home. My Sherlock and John music video, fan video, has 36,898 Ooh, girl! Uh, Thank you very much. I should put that link in the show notes. Yes, you will. (laughs) Well, because that fandom has released, there was that short film that came out about the two boys and their heart, and I can't remember what it's called right now. Yeah! Oh, that's such a good video. Yes. And those people, I believe, are explicit about the fact that they started in the John Locke fandom and that's really where really? they found yeah their community and began to work on their art so Aww. it's also really great i mean fandom work in general is just brilliant and amazing people are honestly are you're right things. fandom fandom work uh i mean i think it's safe to say that we all know that fandom has its problems yeah, yeah. and there's you know we we've all run into problems with like entitlement and like mm-hmm. You know, my opinion means more than the actual content, and my opinion means more than your opinion and that whole thing. But, mm-hmm. like, but you're absolutely right, I, that fandom produces amazing stuff, you know? Great things can come out of developing those skills with fan art or fan fiction or music or whatever. And I think that 
it's bizarre to a degree, but it's also not new. Like for centuries, artists have been copying other artists' stuff and rewriting it for their own benefit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's not new. And headcanoning to me is like the most basic, easiest form of participating in that way, right? Is taking the work and, and putting something of yours in it or doing things to the characters. So like it's like writing fan fiction or producing art without the work. So it's the easy way out for <laughs> losers who don't have the time or ability to dedicate. Absolutely. The short film is called In a Heartbeat. Yes, thank you very much. That's right. I don't think I ever got to watch that, though. Oh, so you'll, you'll have to send it to me. It's four minutes, and it's beautiful. Awesome. It's just great. A lot of people look at fan fiction. They're just like, oh, that's where people go to like put their shitty headcanons to rest and like write their sex scene and be done with it. And I'm like, mm, no. Like, and so there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, nothing sure. wrong with having a Absolutely. shitty weird headcanon. There should be no shaming of that. But also, no. I really like reading some of those because they do such a good exploration mm-hmm. of feelings and like working through thoughts of what if this is how they think mm-hmm. and what if they acted on it. And when well, I met my... Yeah. When I'm struggling the most with like internalized homophobia or thinking really hard about, you know, how difficult the world is for trans folks that I turn to fan fiction as a way, right? It's a constant source of giving me the things that I need out of that fiction, that mainstream. I mean, we're getting a lot more, particularly in YA, but in other areas mm-hmm. as well, representation, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's not as comforting to me as the, as the fan fiction because so often those stories have to be about things. And this is another reason I think, you know, people are crying for representation, but it's coming in really weird spurts, is we're still in a stage where, like, the coming out story is the story you're going to hear in sort of mainstream media all the time, yeah. over and over and over again. And some of us have been out. Like I said, I'm an, I'm an old queer. <laughs> and, you know, not that old, but... Um, and I want to hear different stories. And mm-hmm. fan fiction or the headcanons let me live out those stories and process my trauma in ways that, you know, the sort of mainstream coming out stories don't let me do. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that's something that mainstream media is definitely struggling with. Because if we can find a way for the media to be normal, like to include everybody in a very normal, real life kind of way, then everyone who absorbs that media will feel like, oh, okay, this is real life now. This is normal. Instead of this is special or this is different or this is not normal or whatever it is. But I think we're struggling with that. And I think mm-hmm. that that comes from, like you said, um, internalized homophobia and internalized like heteronormativity mm-hmm. that we're all like so many people are just not aware that they're a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. But it comes down to like, there are so many people, and it's hard to remember that when we surround ourselves with so many, you know, like-minded but very, very different people. There are so many people in America, and there are so many people all over the world who don't interact with trans people every day, or who don't interact yeah. with people mm-hmm. of color every day, and they're, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's easy for them to sit there and go, "This doesn't affect me. These people don't exist. They're not in my life. This can't yep. be normal because it's not normal for me." Right. And and yeah. until we get to a point where we can educate everybody, um, whether that's through media or whether that's through literal education, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah. Until we get to a point where it is normal, where it is constant, and the representation is varied and nuanced and, like, real, then mm-hmm. we're not going to consider it personally to be normal. And that's so frustrating because I feel like, I mean... 
even I have so much to learn because I'm only just now realizing how many trans people are in my life and all the different kinds of queer there are and um, who in my life falls where and how I can support them better. You know, we all need to keep learning and working together. But you're right that young adult books are definitely taking those strides, but there's still such a far way to go. And I, I, I just I wish it was faster because if it was faster, then we would all be speaking the same language at this point and we're not. Yeah, and that's so frustrating. Yeah, like I grew up in a very small town in the middle of freaking nowhere, Illinois. Like, God, God bless Minooka, Illinois, but it's the whitest goddamn place. At least when I was there, it was very white, middle class. This is how things are. I had no idea that there were alternative lifestyles. I didn't meet a person of color until my junior year of high school. That's white. That's a really white town. Uh, but, like, it took... I, I went to college in Chicago, and that helped because I got to meet a lot more people of color and be like, oh, no, they're they're cool. All right. I understand now. Like, I didn't... I wasn't worried, but I was, like, kind of scared of meeting more because I'm like, I don't know anything about people of color, and I'm so worried. I don't know how to, like, act... Am I going to be, I'm going to make an idiot out of myself. I mean, there's, there's no way to not make an idiot of yourself around people. But like moving into Chicago was the best thing I ever did for myself because over the last, I've been in Chicago about 10 years now. I've learned so much, so much about people of color, about alternative lifestyles. And only within the last year, honestly, just a few months now, was I able to realize that I don't like always being a woman. I don't want to be defined as a man either. I don't like pronouns in general, and I don't like feeling locked down by them. So I've come to the conclusion that I am genderqueer, non-binary, whatever you want to define me as. But like, I also don't care what pronouns you use. I'm one of those people who just, I just don't want to be locked down by a word and you can call me whatever you see me in that moment. So, you know, opening that window to myself made me feel like I hadn't worn a dress in about two years. And the moment I discovered that about myself, I'm like, oh, being a woman doesn't define me. So as long as I'm free of that word, I feel that I could be feminine whenever I want, because not when people expect me to be feminine. That was incredibly freeing to me. Yeah, it's really amazing. What a huge moment, you know? Like, yeah. what a... Honestly, like, if only we were all in a position with our friends and our families and our upbringings to have those conversations with our loved ones and like what if what if we were all raised to really think that um we're we have the agency to choose you know yeah. and that we have the yeah. agency to say this is what i want to be this is what i am and everyone would be like cool you know wouldn't that be great like that if- is like the biggest reason i look forward to becoming a parent because i'm yeah. like we've all got our concerns. This is a horrible political climate to have a child right now. This is like just a bad place in general to like try to raise a child. But if we don't do it, the people who don't care about the political climate right now are going to fucking populate the earth. It's going to be a problem. All the children who are going to be taking care of us are all going to be racist Nazi idiots who don't know how to treat people who are different the way they should be treated. So we have a responsibility as the people who are smarter than them 
to produce children who understand these things. I mean, I think really it's, and that's one of the great things for me, and Gal, you touched on this about headcanons, is it, it generates empathy, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. one of the hugely powerful things about fiction more generally, but it really lets us say, um, you know, hey, if I tell you this about this character and you watch it with that in mind, even if you aren't trans or queer, um, then you know, you can start to develop empathy by looking at these characters that you probably already like. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what boy doesn't watch The Matrix and go, I want to be Neo? Mm-hmm. You know, much less girls. I mean, I don't really know. I don't really want to be Neo. The Matrix is hard. But <laughs> The Matrix is hard. <laughs> but, you know, it, it allows you to hold space for different modes of being and to really say, you know, oh, if this character could be Right. And that's one of the really beautiful things where creators, I think, are beginning, or at least some of them, to step back and say, this character can be how you read him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mark Hamill did that with Luke Skywalker, said that Luke yeah. is gay if you say he's gay, Luke is trans if you say he's trans. Both of those things are totally possible, and I'm yeah. not going to foreclose that. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful thing because then you can say, well, you know. He is what I say he is. He's allowed to be like me. Mm-hmm. Other people can read him the way that, and it really just fosters a bunch of empathy, I think, um, which, you know, the world always needs more of, even I think in Absolutely. better, softer times. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's an interesting observation out of this is that uh, we as a culture are more comfortable being empathetic and passionate about fictional characters than we are about real human beings sometimes and that's hard i was gonna ask so you said briefly just now you know i can read this character how i want to read this character and that's okay but other people may read this character differently and that's okay too do you find in fandom in your experience that there are people out there who disagree with that like who are who are like uh no our opinion is the only one that matters everyone else is wrong you know whether they believe that this character is trans or not do you know what i mean like because i feel like i have run into that in fandom yes no, yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. I mean, I have run into actually really interesting. This is not actually that interesting. Where that happens, I think most likely actually is where you had canon characters as different races. Um, and particularly when folks of color are headcanoning, um, characters that have been traditionally read as white as people of color. Um, you know, I'm a strong believer that James Potter isn't white. Um, I think he can be any number of other races that are not white, but I don't think James is white. And there was a lot of really interesting stuff about reading Harry as black or reading Harry as South Asian or Desi, which is really the headcanon sort of menace about that are really incredible because if it puts the abuse that the Dursleys put him through into a whole different light, it's so intense. The other way I'll create a trans headcanon is if I, I have this tendency when I watch animated movies to read certain characters as girls that are supposed to be read as boys. Hmm. Um, and I had a friend tell me that that was as bad as that was basically misgendering this character. And it was like misgendering a person in real life. And I was like, no, it's not. But I think as you get older, you sort of let go of that. You let people have their opinions and you can choose whether or not to engage with them. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty isolationist in the way that I experience my fandom. I have, like, my little group of people that I'm like, oh, this character. And I will, like, self-select. Like, I don't tell a whole lot of straight people my queer head cannons because I'm worried about that. But I do think, I mean, I do subscribe to the idea that 
that it's the joy of that headcanning is there are so many different ways of doing it. And if someone disagrees with your headcanon, then I'm like, okay, go play in your sandbox. Don't yeah. throw your sand into mine. Like, that's totally chill that you have your ideas in your space. Please stay there. And if they don't, I mean, obviously you get into the really intense situations that, I mean, I've never had to encounter this, but people will really come and try to and bully you and, and harass you. And that's really, really sad. It's just so sad to me that people can get that upset about the idea that people think differently from them particularly about a fictional character because i'm like there's nothing that says you can't do what you're doing over there that's fine yeah right i think it comes down to like people don't like to be told they're wrong yeah and people have been raised with this instilled idea that if you're wrong you're wrong and other people know it and you are less of a person for having been wrong instead of being like oh i was wrong my bad and then moving on like like people are supposed to We don't learn that until we're very, very old as humans, Mm. and that becomes a problem socially, I think. Yeah, or even being able to say that you can both be right. Like, that is, like, I think a whole other rare, like, oh my god, it's not even that I'm wrong, it's that there's possibilities for both. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, which is too much to deal with, really. I was going to ask, if you don't mind, about, since I'm a writer, um, and I am sort of keyed into the conversations that are being had by people in the writing community about um, there's a hashtag on Twitter, own voices, mm-hmm. um, which refers to people in the writing community producing work of fiction to represent people of color and to represent minorities and to represent different sexualities, but as written by people in those groups. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely there needs to be more of this fiction produced by the people who it directly represents and affects. But as a white hetero human who likes to write things, I am constantly looking for that input from those communities on how I can be a better supporter of their work, but also how I can represent things in my fiction without waving a banner like, look, I did it for you, you know, because that's not what I want as a creator. Um, But I want to make sure that it's inclusive without being like, give me a cookie, I'm an ally. You know what I mean? Do you have any thoughts on, like, creators who may be looking to be inclusive in that way so that your headcanons don't need to be headcanons all the time? There's a thing called sensitivity readers where people from those communities that you're writing about read your work Mm -hmm. and say, okay, here are things you didn't know you're running into Mm -hmm. that you need to know about and that maybe should be adjusted in your work. And One thing I really like about sensitivity readers is you know they're there because they're in the acknowledgements. They get paid is the other thing. I think one of the things that people from communities that are agents or have more agency in terms of what they're talked about or how they're talked about don't realize is that the emotional drain that comes from having to answer these questions. Absolutely. And there's no, you know, often if you're just like asking... No one's getting any kind of payment back from that, be it financial, emotional, like it takes time and energy. And so one thing that I really love about sensitivity readers is folks are being paid for their time. Mm -hmm. And I think that compensation for labor is really important to acknowledge. There are also like reading is a way to start to think about that, doing a lot of internal work about the way that you as a person with Asian identities, but also with what we call target identities, right? Identities for which we're targeted. So like, Ali, you are like a white heterosexual person, but you're also a woman. And that puts you in this weird place. And you're a cisgender woman, which puts you in this very weird place of, of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and like where you are in the in the whole hierarchy structure of all of the things, right. all of the isms. Um, so, you know, reading, I think, is, is one way. But I really do think that being able to make concrete 
contributions and giving back to the community concretely, not just saying, oh, my representation is enough right. of a give back to that community. In I kind of am adjacent to minoring in Native studies as a field. I'm a white settler, non-Native, so, but there are ways in which, you know, like authors, and this is an academic publishing, give all of their money, all the proceeds from those books, which is not very much, to certain funds within those communities, right? That's another way of paying back. So I think it's really about finding ways to do your best to not be racist or sexist or transphobic Mm -hmm. or homophobic and also finding ways to tap into that community that end in concrete reciprocity. That's a good way to put it, I think. Thank you. Well, I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Absolutely. And this was such a wonderful thing to talk about for me because it's opening up a lot of media in a way that I haven't looked at it before. Go out and do it. It's so much fun. Absolutely. (laughs) Since we're using one-shot microphones, I just wanted to pop in and say uh, that right now, OneShot is running a charity drive for Trans Lifeline. Uh, It is called our Neo Year Charity Drive. Uh, We're doing it because we want to make the world a slightly better place because we're headed towards a cyberpunk dystopia. (laughs) If you would like to support trans folks and make gaming a nicer place to hang out in uh, you can head to bit.ly slash neo year uh, and contribute if we manage to raise five thousand dollars i am opening up the dungeon dome podcast feed to the public so thank you so much everybody for supporting me. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we hope you got a little bit hype about this, or maybe it triggered some interesting ideas for things that you are hype about that you'd like to hype at us. Yeah, please do tweet at us. We are at GetHypePod, or email us at GetHypePod at gmail.com. We've got a whole list of people that we'd love to get as guests, but we also want to know what you want to hear. Thanks for listening, and stay hype. Stay hype, guys. Stay hype, guys.